Well, I'm very excited as we uh, prepare ourselves for this Christmas season. And, you know, I want to talk to us over the next few weeks uh, about the Advent. And, you know, a lot of people might think that's quite a religious mindset. A lot of denominational churches would adhere to the Advent calendar. But I want you to know uh, religion is really uh, formed out of tradition and doing things out of formalism, not actually knowing what they mean or their significance. But when we serve Jesus and we have an understanding and we use it as a base of fellowship and sincerity in our worship, it takes on a powerful meaning. Now, I went and studied so that I could be sure about the Advent. And Advent is a season of preparation for and celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ. It's an invitation for you and I as believers to step away from what can just be a crazy season, a whole lot of spending of money, and really get caught up in the commercial hype. We can step aside and use it as a a wonderful time of faithful celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not against having good fun. I'm not against buying Christmas gifts and being with family and resting. But how many of you know that there's that element for us of celebration? And then there was something that I discovered, which I'd never realized before around Advent, is that Advent is not just the celebration of the birth of Christ, but is actually a time of preparation and looking forward to the triumphant return of Jesus Christ at his second coming. And that really becomes quite significant for you and I as believers because the second coming refers to the return of Jesus Christ as described in the book of Revelation, Hebrews, the Gospels, and in many other places throughout the Bible. The first time Jesus came to earth, he was a baby. After his ministry on earth, his crucifixion and resurrection, He returned to heaven to prepare a place for all his followers. In John 14, verses 1 to 3, we find Jesus telling his disciples, he says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. Two powerful things. Firstly, Jesus says, when we focus on him, we never need to be afraid. But also, he promises his triumphant return in the future to catch away his church. And we find this in 1 Thessalonians 4 from verse 15. It says, For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, And thus we will always be with the Lord. What an incredible promise. And then he says this, Therefore, comfort one another with these words. You see, the second coming of Christ 
is the blessed hope of the church. It's the grand climax of the Bible and of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The almost complete fulfillment of most lines of prophecy, together with the present condition of our world we live in, indicates to you and I that Christ's coming is near. The time of the event has not been revealed, but the Bible encourages us in many places that we should be ready at all times. And what a beautiful season during the Advent as we remind ourselves of the birth of Christ. We also look forward to the return of Christ to fetch away his church. This is so well connected when we start to have a look at the themes of the Advent calendar. Here they are. They are hope, peace, joy, love and faithfulness. So over the next few weeks, we're going to take time to study out and have a look at each of these incredible elements of our faith. Let's start today with hope. Now, we spoke a few weeks ago in context around our theme for next year, that hope, biblical hope, is actually about vision and expectation. But let's dig in a little bit deeper this morning together. In Colossians 1 verse 26 down to verse 29, we see Paul unveiling an incredible truth to you and I. He says, the mystery that has been hidden hidden from ages and from generations, but has now been revealed to his saints. Let's pause there for a moment. Isn't it incredible that you and I are the ones God has chosen, that we are the recipients of the revelation of the mystery of God, which he continues to explain in verse 27. He says, To them God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this ministry, uh, of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is, verse 27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Please underline that. Highlight it in your Bible. Write it down. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Verse 28, it says, Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Remember this, these three important elements. Christ, hope, and glory are things that are used to prepare us so that we can be perfect in Christ. Verse 29 finishes and it says this, To this end I also labor, striving according to his working, which he works in me mightily. So we have these three components, Christ, hope, and glory. Now the second two, which impact our lives on a daily basis here on earth, are sustained through our relationship with Christ. And that's so important for us to take hold of today. Here's an incredible thought attached to that. Whatever our need is today, no matter what we're facing, whether it's physical, emotional, mental, social, or even financial, Jesus wants to give you hope so that you can experience his glory. Wow. This hope and glory brings with it solutions that are found as we experience a greater and fuller understanding and revelation of who Jesus is. 
You see, sometimes we end up just studying the Bible to get answers about what happened, what to do, and how to do it. And I agree, that's a great starting point. But you know, we should really study the Bible to see Jesus and to experience the riches of His grace. God wants us to study the Bible to see Jesus and all the things in the Scriptures concerning Him. When you begin to see Jesus on every page of the Bible and discover the hidden gems and treasures of the Word and the truths about Jesus, the Bible will come alive and your faith will be ignited in your heart. Have a look at this incredible story in Luke chapter 24. You might remember it. It's the story of Jesus after he'd been risen from the dead. He's walking along the road to Emmaus with two of his followers. But he blinds their eyes from seeing that it is actually him. And so he walks with them as a traveler. Let's pick up the story here in verse 25. It says, Then he said to them, O foolish ones, slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. In other words, he basically said this, You don't know the word, and your heart is slow to believe, and you're foolish because you do not understand the word of God. Verse 26, Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and then to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. What a beautiful verse, verse 27. Beginning at Moses, right at the beginning of the Bible, all the way through the prophets, he explained to them, he revealed to them, he unpacked towards them out of the scripture the things that concern Jesus. Look at verse 28. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated to them that he would have gone farther. In other words, he wasn't going to stay. He was going on to another town. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward the evening, and the day is far spent. And so he went in to stay with them. An important key is to notice, Jesus didn't impose himself. He waited for them to invite him. And that's such a key for you and I today. If we keep inviting Jesus in, if we keep uh, seeking for Jesus in that in the Word and in the Spirit, Jesus would manifest Himself at a greater dimension. In verse 30 it says, Now it came to pass, as He sat at the table with them, He took the bread, blessed it and broke it, and He gave it to them. Verse 31, Then their eyes were opened, and they knew Him, and instantly He vanished from their sight. Another incredible truth here is notice that it was in the breaking of the bread, in the partaking of the communion elements, that their eyes were open. That's why you and I should partake of the communion elements, the body and the blood of Christ, as often as we can. In verse 32 it says, And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they arose early that hour, returned to Jerusalem, and found the eleven and those who were gathered with them together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. So you see, the solution that God gives to you and I 
for those who are being foolish, those who are slow to believe, is that we need to study the Bible so that we can see more of Jesus. At the end of the disciples' journey, the Word of God says they recognized and they said, listen, didn't our hearts burn within us while Jesus was speaking to us, revealing himself to us, while he opened up the Word of God to us? You see today, believers, when Jesus is revealed through the Word, when he's revealed through the preaching of the Word under the unction of the Holy Spirit, you know what? Our hearts will burn with the warmth of his love. When Jesus is involved in, unveiled in his magnificence and his beauty and his grace, the poor will experience provision. The weak will be made strong. The sick will be healed. The foolish will gain wisdom. And those who are ready and moving in faith will continue to make an impact. How many of you know that's hope and that's what brings God glory today? So I pray for every one of us today that we'd make reading and studying the word a priority. That we continue to listen to good preaching that unveils the beauty of the grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When you and I commit to that, our life, our finances, our marriages, and our entire households will be blessed beyond measure. Listen to John 5 verse 39 in the NLT. It says, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. So when we start to realize the the value and the depth of who Jesus is in our lives, and we don't relegate him to peripheral things, we let him be the center of our lives, you know what happens? We start to realize that there's this hope inside of us. And here's what I want you to realize today with me. There is a huge difference between worldly, natural hope and biblical hope. As a matter of fact, there is a huge difference, and we need to recognize it today. Now, natural hope is okay, but I want you to know it's limited and very often gives people a false sense of security and often leads to disappointment. But you know something today? Biblical hope centered in Christ never disappoints. That's right. You heard me right. It never disappoints. Turn with me to Romans chapter 5. And let's have a look at verses 1 through to verse 5. It says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand, listen carefully, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. You know how many times throughout the New Testament the word hope is connected to the word glory. That is so significant. It goes on in verse 3 and it says, Not only that, but we glory in our troubles, knowing that trouble produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. So listen, it says in verse 2, We rejoice in hope of the glory of God, And then he explains that even when we're going through trouble, if we'll persevere in that trouble, that 
Trouble through perseverance builds character. And listen, it's character that gives us hope. Here's the most amazing thing to realize today. When your hope is strong, when you have a biblical hope, it is a clear marker that you are a mature believer, that you are a person of character. Look at verse 5. It brings it all together. And he says, now hope does not disappoint. Why? Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. This means that if you and I are getting disappointed all the time, if we're living in a place of feeling disillusioned or disheartened, it's a sure red flag that we're not receiving and walking in the biblical hope that God's word brings. You see, Christ in you brings with him the hope of all the glorious things promised in God's word. So let's take a moment today and let's discover through the Bible, especially the New Testament, why the hope of God, while biblical hope, will never disappoint us. And we'll be able to identify the difference between biblical hope and worldly hope. Here we go. A. The hope of God never disappoints because the Holy Spirit seals us for the day of redemption. In Ephesians 4 verse 30, it says this, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. In other words, the Spirit of God's presence in our hearts guarantees our ultimate salvation and this produces an eternal hope in our heart. It's inseparable from the seal of the Holy Spirit. This hope not only impacts the way we speak and the way we look at things, but it even impacts the way we treat other people. B, the second reason why hope never disappoints and how we understand biblical hope is we know that God's love in us is always on our side because Jesus is our Savior. Because we believe in Jesus. We read verse 5 again of Romans 5. It says, Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. God's love lives on the inside of you. Let it become real to you by seeing yourself the way Jesus sees you. You are made right in the sight of God. And that should produce a sense of God's love in your life that keeps his hope alive. God called Jesus his beloved son. And that's who you have become in Christ. Ephesians says we have been accepted in the beloved. And because we're accepted, acceptance produces hope. Number three, C. We are in this world, but we're not of this world. You see, hope never disappoints. Biblical hope doesn't disappoint because we understand, although we're in this world, we're not of this world. John 17, verse 16 to 18 says this, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. 
They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify or set them apart by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. We have been accepted as citizens of God's kingdom in heaven, and we have heavenly rights. We have a heavenly ID, and that, again, keeps God's hope alive in our hearts. D, God will continue to work in us until Jesus returns for us. You see, biblical hope is based on the reality that Jesus is always working in us. Philippians 1 verse 6 in the Amplified Classic says this, And I am convinced, and I'm sure of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will continue it until the day of Jesus Christ, right up to the time of his return, developing that good work and perfecting and bringing it to full completion in you. Man, this forward-looking guarantee of perfection in our lives keeps hope alive. You may not be there yet, but you know what? Stay on the course. Let that perseverance have it work. Let that perseverance build character because character produces hope. E. The fifth reason today why hope never disappoints is because the Bible teaches us that we will partake in the glory which is Christ's resurrection. And this is an eternal truth and it will become a living reality. Listen, we have this real hope that we too will be resurrected when Jesus Christ comes back. Have a look at this incredible scripture in 1 Corinthians 15 verses 17 to verse 22. It says, And if Christ is not risen, then your faith is empty. Are you still, and you are still in your sins? Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. But now Christ has risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. Listen, he actually clarifies it so beautifully. He says, listen, if Christ wasn't written, risen, then not only is our faith empty, but listen, our hope is futile because our hope is only natural and worldly. But he says, no, it's not because Christ raised from the dead. We too will be raised from the dead. And so our hope is a living hope. If the next reason why hope never disappoints and clarifies the reality of biblical hope is this. We have been given a heavenly inheritance and the Bible says it never fades out, it never runs dry, and it never comes to an end. Look at 1 Peter 3, uh, 1 Peter chapter 1 from verses 3 to verses 5. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Listen to this. To an inheritance that is incorrupted, undefiled, and does not fade away. Reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Now let me clarify something just lest you misunderstand it. It doesn't mean that because your incorruptible inheritance is kept in heaven that you don't have access to it or that it's not available to you. What he's saying is it's kept in heaven so it remains incorruptible. It never comes to an end and it never fades out. Why? Because heaven is eternal. Heaven goes on forever. And so you have access to this heavenly bank account We could call it that. You have access to it and you can make withdrawals from it through faith because your hope is a living hope. Isn't that beautiful? G, the next reason is this, is that we have been given the Holy Spirit not just as a seal, but as a witness to the reality of God's truth. In other words, we could say it like this. We get to enjoy God's presence And the leadership of the Holy Spirit in our daily lives. Romans 8 verse 14 to 17 says this. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom you cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if we are children, then we are heirs. And if we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, we shall also be glorified together. What an amazing thought that we can experience God's presence in our daily lives. Say this to yourself right now. Actually say it out loud. The Lord is with me. I have his favor, his blessing, and his protection. You see, sometimes we have this mindset because of our human nature that we're trying to get into God's secret place. The reality is, if you're in Christ, you're already in God's presence. As a matter of fact, in Christ, you can't get any closer to God. The Bible says that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. And you know what? We're seated with him in heavenly places. You are as close to God as you can get. Here's the reality. You've got to receive that into your spirit and you've got to renew your mind so that your hope stays alive. God is smiling at you right now. Learn that's how close to God you are. Even if your feelings are telling you God feels like he's a million miles away, learn to trust his word over your feelings. All you need to do is when you're feeling like that is just simply say, Abba Father, Daddy God, I know that you're with me. And you know what? Immediately you'll begin to sense the presence of the Holy Spirit and God is as close to you as your very own breath. H or number eight. The reason hope never disappoints, biblical hope, is that God has gone beyond just you and I, and he has even promised that he will restore the earth to its original 
glory. Have a look at Romans 8 verses 19. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revelation of the sons of God. For the creation was subject subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected, listen to this, subjected it in hope. In what hope? Because the creation itself will also be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Wow. The day is coming in the future where the hope is so alive that God will restore the earth to its original purpose, to its original creation without the presence of sin or Satan. What an amazing, amazing promise and and thing to contemplate and think about. Then finally, I, or number nine, is the final reason, and there's probably more you can find, that the hope of God never disappoints and helps us to understand biblical hope over worldly hope is this. God has given us his living word. Think about this. It's all set out for us from Genesis to Revelation over multiple generations, over thousands of years, and yet every piece of scripture is connected and confirms that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of God's plan. Hebrews 6 verses 18 says this, that by two immutable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of this hope that is set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil where the forerunner has entered for us even Jesus, having become the high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Maybe you want to write this down. This hope we have is not a wishful thought, but a confident, bold expectation, a joyful knowledge that we are being changed by God day by day, And the time will come where we will literally see Jesus Christ face to face. But until then, we are daily being transformed and conformed into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. So turn with me today as we close to Isaiah 2 verse 15. And I want to read this for you from the New Living Testimony. It's a promise made by the prophet Hosea to the nation of Israel, which includes you and I as believers, it says this, I will return her vineyards to her and transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. She will give herself to me there as she did long ago when she was young, when I freed her from the captivity in Egypt. Focus on this today. God is going to transform your valley of trouble, into a gateway of hope. God bless you. Enjoy your Sunday. Let's pray together. 
Maybe as I'm about to pray, you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. And you know, the step into real, living, biblical hope is by accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Simply pray this prayer aloud with me, and you too can become a child of the living God. Let's pray. Father God, I believe today Jesus is your son, that he died on the cross of Calvary, and that you raised him from the dead so that I could be saved. I open my heart today to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving all my sins. Now, if you prayed that prayer today, or perhaps if you have a prayer request or a need, send us a WhatsApp or send us an email. We'd love to connect with you. If you've just got saved, we'll send you a Bible. We'll send you a beautiful little booklet that will help you to understand these first steps of becoming a child of God. Perhaps you have a testimony you want to share with us. We'd love to hear from you. And we'd love to celebrate what God's doing in your life. Now, don't forget, you might want to sow a seed into our church. And so the SnapScan code is appearing on your screen right now. You can just download that app and you can sow via SnapScan. Or you can go to our website, rfcfc.com, and you can find our banking details there and you can do an EFT. Or simply if you want to send us an email and we'll gladly forward our details to you. Thank you so much. Don't forget to share this link with your family and friends all around the world. And let's continue to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Now remember, join us this coming Thursday for our last Bible study and communion of 2021. And we'll be explaining to you how the Christmas season will work as well. God bless you. We can't wait to see you.